Hello and welcome to another edition of Up It All Ours, the QPR podcast with a bit lid that's hosting. That is I, Paul Finney. <laughs> um, I'm joined by fellow Sullivan, who's Mr. Cheerful, but I've got a funny feeling he's not so cheerful tonight, but we'll see. Evening, Phil. Good, e- good evening, Finney. Yeah, I, I, I can't bring my normal optimism to this, I have to tell you. Not after oh. the last run of results, the game's ahead of us, and the nonsense I got yesterday um, from the club, but we'll come to that in a minute, I know. Flipping hell, that was a long hello, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, he's back after a week. It takes you 10 years to get the bugger on and you can't get rid of him. Simon Hall, how are you? Hi there, Paul. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, as I say, a few a few sorts of things that I want to get off my chest from this week in a similar sort of way to Phil. And also just a few sort of things and an apology for getting my Bournemouth not making the... Um, not getting automatic promotion badly wrong like I did over the weekend. Well, okay, well, she could have said you expect us to beat Peterborough 7 0. Um, yes. <laughs> and long time no see, friend of the pod, friend of the world, friend of the music industry, Paul Stokes, who's talking quietly because his child is going to bed. Hello. I'm just excited that this is my record number of pod appearances for the season. So it's all good. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I like it when people come on the podcast cheerful. It it it, 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 it kind of puts me off my stride. Now, for this evening, we're going to talk about the games first, and then we're going to come on to the email. Um, well, not email. Sorry, the story that we had on the website yesterday about the safe standing and the blue and white club debacle. But we'll come to that first. But first of all, and I'm going to start with you, Simon, because you thought we'd win last week, didn't you? I said it would be nervy. I said it would be nervy. Now I thought it was, it was very nervy. One, it was very nervy, but not in the way I, in, not in the way I expected. I mean, the Sky interview at the end of that second half should have been Mark. What was that? I wouldn't even have asked anything else. I wouldn't even have analysed it. I'd have just gone, "What was that?" Mm. It wasn't good, was it? No. No, I mean, there's very few times that second half, I, I took absolutely no positives out of that second half whatsoever. To be honest, if the referee had added more time on, I think I would have probably jumped from the South Road stand and, and asked him if he knew what he was doing because it was cruel and it was horrendous. Phil, you're normally optimistic. Come on, give us a positive well, on Sunday. I, oof, that's very difficult to do. The uh, oddly enough, I had it down as a four-nil home win on the on the loft for words prediction thing. I said four-nil home win when we scored, and then we had a purple patch of ten or fifteen minutes. And I thought, oh, this could easily be four-nil. This is going to be this is going to be a breeze. We missed two, one complete open goal from Gray. He just get the ball around the keeper, keep it on target, two-nil. Had another chance, hit the post, could have been three-nil. We were absolutely all over them. It was the, one of the most enormous collapses that I think I've ever seen. And that second half was a truly shocking experience. And I have to say, it wasn't just the players who had a bad day. Warburton, unless, unless that we just don't know about the medical science thing going on, and they were trying to, you know, coax players through and, you know, um, 
uh, Luke Amos, you know, they're trying to make sure he doesn't have another major breakdown of his knees and all this kind of caper. But he was the only player moving forward. That double substitution absolutely killed us. But I actually think there's something far more cancerous going on now in the last two months. If you go back 12 months, the loans revolutionised QPR. They, they, the loans came in. We brought four loans in. When do you ever bring four loans in? And they all work. We were all clamouring to keep all four of them. They were astounding. This January, we bought in loans and they have failed miserably. And Jeff Hendricks, I think, is one of the big problems with QPR at the moment. He goes backwards and sideways, sits too deep. And I also think that... I think the loans have caused some unrest in the squad. And mm. if, I, if I was Luke Amos, I'd be seriously hacked off that he's not getting a game over this Premiership loan player. Um, and, you know, without going on to predictions and other things, Finney, if you go back six weeks, we were nailed on to get into the playoffs. As I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that we'd get up out of the playoffs, but I thought we'd have a tilt at it. Now... The, the, when you're when you're practical and go through the fixtures and look at it, the shocking shocking thing is, I think we're going to end up worse than last season. We won't no. get, we won't come ninth. We won't come ninth. We're going to come tenth or eleventh. Bring back Phil. <laughs> Bring back Phil the optimist. Sorry, mate, <laughs> you sat through it as well. That second I, half was a collapse. I I I I honestly think that Peterborough was far too kind to us in the second half and didn't want to make our pain worse because we were so but it was it was it wasn't good. It was probably one of the worst second half performances I've seen from a QPR side in a very, very long time and deeply depressing. The only good thing about um Sunday was the eighty two team. That was that was the only thing that sort of made sense. In the early goal I thought, you know what, we're gonna we're we're gonna do this. We're not gonna get the swindled effect as I called it. I mean Peterborough only won a few games and they beat us three flipping times. Anyway, Paul I can see you smiling. Go on, tell us we're all being negative and you're all you're happy as Larry. I think there is a little bit of historical revisionism going on, to be honest. I think you look at January, we all said that squad was small. You know, I was on this podcast saying we should probably sign a, someone with pace, a striker slash winger. We obviously couldn't do that. They're not cheap. And you can see that. You look at the players that did come in, the, the loan signings. Obviously, Hendricks is into cover for uh, Johansson and they obviously needed because he's injured at the moment. You think last season he only played half a season for us. Didn't really play for Fulham before that. So you can see why they took that precaution. Sanderson's obviously come in with Barbe. He's not going to sign a contract. I suspect from the fact that he's not playing, that's probably what's going to happen. So we haven't got a big squad. It's not like the loans we bought in have made the squad bigger and we've, you know, got all the, these stuff. And I just thought that, you know, first half we could, you know, as we said, we could have been out of sight. Could have been 3 4 nil. Second half, a little bit like the Cardiff game, the energy just seems to go. And I think we've just got, you know, a small squad. We've got, Four goalkeepers out, a striker out, the, the full-backs, wing-backs all season have been in and out of the team. You know, there are t times when you go up, like the season with, with, with Warnock, when you don't get any injuries or any major injuries, or only the one with poor old Jamie Mackey. We're just unlucky this season, I think. There's a lot of injuries going on. There's a lot of tired players. You look at the way the fixtures are all bunched up. You look at Sky again. I mean, look, we played. why did we play Sunday lunchtime against Luton? For what possible televisual reason? Explain that to me. That should have been a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Makes no sense. Then we go to play on a waterlogged pitch in, in Nottingham Forest. You look at the injuries we picked up there, how badly we looked demoralised at the end of that. And you go into, in, into Sunday against Peterborough and you just think, you know, it's been said before, why was that game moved 
to a Sunday in the first instance. You do better off having a much more positive buzzing atmosphere rather than that flat Sunday early kickoff atmosphere. And I think the moment Peter got back into the game, you could just see the, you know, the, the sort of whereas earlier in the season we rode our luck and, you know, say against Barnsley, 2 0 down, came back. You know, team. You know, teams were you know, against West Brom, last-minute winner. We just the rubber, the green isn't going our way, and I think there's just that collective fatigue now hitting. That's you know what is a small squad. I think you know it was a terrible performance. I'm not going to pretend that second half was excusable, but I think there were reasons behind it, and I think there are reasons if you look at the way the club is being run, and I think they had a decision to make in January. Do you just you know break all the rules, all the financial rules, all the good work you've done in terms of? financial fair play and then throw it all out and go for promotion. And I, I remember when we were on, we had Jim Frailing on and we discussed whether QPR going up would be a good thing or not long-term anyway, because of the quality of the squad and that kind of thing. And I, I, I've seen on Twitter, I've seen, you know, in the stand, a lot of doom and gloom. I think it's been a good season. I really do. I think, yeah, it's, we're probably going to run out of steam. We're not going to make the playoffs. But even if we did and went up, I think we'd have a torrid time in the Premier League. I think you look at teams like Brentford, I hate to bring them up, you know, they, they had so many seasons where they didn't quite make it. When they finally made it, look how good their squad was. They improved it every bit, every time. And I think actually the judgment for us this season shouldn't be when we make the playoffs when we finish ninth, is when we kick off is August, who's still here? If out of Willock, Chair, Dieng, uh, Dickey, Dunn, players like that, if most of them are still here and we've sold one and bought in two or three, then I think that is a good Then we should look back at this season and say it's a good season. It's a good learning curve for this. Well, it's quite still a youthful squad. And yeah, losing to Peter three times in the season is just really annoying. But you know, it's I don't think it's been that bad a season. I really don't. Yeah, uh, it hasn't been. It hasn't been a bad a season. Don't get me wrong. Not, not at all. It's been a great season. The, the, what's heartbreaking is we're throwing it all away. And it's interesting if you think they're not playing Barbe because he's refused to sign a contract. It just goes to show how badly he's missed because he, we, you know, when he first joined QPR, he gave away penalties because he kept diving in. But actually, when you even it out over the time he's played for us, the amount of challenges he makes, which are last-ditch challenges that get us out of uh, out of a hole, Sanderson was absolutely appalling on Saturday. I reckon I could have played centre half better than him. And you know that Clark Harris, number nine up front for Peterborough. He made all three of our centre backs look like amateurs. He won every single header. That they, they when they finally took a goal kick, and it took five minutes to take every goal kick in the second half. They punt it length of the pitch, and he'd win the header every time without fail. It's embarrassing. But if the, I, the club's policy is if players, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm only guessing. But looking from the outside. Barbe's played a record number or an almost record number of appearances. He's suddenly not playing. We're getting close to the end of the season. They've done this to other players where, you know, Manning, Lumley, where if you're not going to sign a contract, we're not going to play you. I think you look at what happened with Sam Field last season, they probably don't want to get in a position where they have, if they want Sanderson long-term, I'm not sure they do after that performance, but if they want him long-term, they probably have to give him a set number of appearances to make the contract happen. I imagine it's more things to do with that. And that kind of, I think, points to the smallness of our squad and the smallness of our budgets rather than, you know, you know, I, I agree. I think the, the, the triple substitution was a mistake. I would have left Gray and Austin on together for a bit just to see what would happen. But I think there are other factors beyond just, you know, a bad performance. I think, you know, there is a lot of fatigue and it is a small squad. And I think the people we brought in January speaks to that. I think if I if I come in on what, what's been said there, I think what's clear when we're thinking about why Barbe's not playing and so on, 
I think there's a lot of things at the moment where we genuinely don't know why things are going on at the moment. And yeah, the Barbe one, yeah, not having... I mean, to be fair, for the Wednesday night against Forest, I could see why I didn't play because I think, as I said on the pod last week, a little bit of pace up against Johnson and Spence, that made sense. Whereas Sunday, it, it, it didn't make any sense for Sanderson to play. And again, what that did was just unsettle the back. It's unsettled the back three again. It was exactly what we did in the cup game and it didn't work. But it goes back again, going back to the original point, we're all sort of like beginning to speculate now about why players aren't playing. We've still got questions about Lyndon Dykes and him going to Scotland. Is he going to plan? Is he going to play or not to stop by being out for six weeks? And whereas in the past few months, we thought communication had gone very well for whatever reason, over the last couple of months, the communication, the reasoning and actually openly saying, look, this is why... I've made these decisions. We may not agree with them, but I actually think we need to hear that a little bit more just so that you can actually think, okay, well, I don't agree with it, but I can understand why it's happening. I think the um, what would mean Saturday was the uh, done non-substitution and the reaction to that. I'm just wondering if he, if the crowd changed the, the mind on that because that, that was... Quite... No, I think the, the guy got the wrong number up because then there was a sudden yeah. flurry with the ball. Okay. I, think that was... I do think I... it was weird to take three... When you're chasing the game like that, when you you know you took you why not give two strikers even if for five minutes and it doesn't work fine swap it but I did think that the triple substitution was a bit of a you know and again taking Amos off again that did seem a, an odd one to me but yeah it, it, I don't think anyone had a great game on in the second half on Sunday manager downwards but I do think there are perhaps you know wider season long circumstances that perhaps it shouldn't be all the doom and gloom. I think going back to the loans and what you said about the loans, I think when you do these loans, you have to play them. I think that's part of the deal with the Pro Club. Um, especially when they're, they're coming in from a premiership side, they have to play. Um, on the other thing that was raised about signings, it was interesting what Les said the other week that you know they, they, they wanted to get a striker, they wanted to get another player and they didn't get it. The, the deals wasn't done. It wasn't it was quite a bizarre thing to say because you, you can misconstrue that quite easily and think, oh, is he having to, is he having to go at Warburton there? Is he throwing Warburton under the bus a bit there? Or or what was the strange thing to say? Or is he just being honest? You know, we don't know, but the communication, as you say, isn't great. But I thought Sunday was, a for me, it, it, it just didn't need to be that bad. Small squad or not, I mean, Peterborough, you know, the Peterborough, they've been getting battered all over the place. Um, and maybe we just, I don't know, we didn't just get going, did we? The first half... Uh, you score down but it's you want cross you want to go with them and you know we're better than that and that's what frustrates me I think Joe's still trying to find his form after the African Cup he's, he's still struggling to get his mojo back uh, the Willock injury is a killer I mean you know that's yeah, obviously absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but, and the, thing but the other, the other thing is it's when when Willock plays with chair a pair of them together when we've been playing well it stops the opposition doubling up on one player so if, you, if a pair of them play, they've got two to deal with. As soon as you play just one of them, they, mm. they know that, that they, I mean, it, it does feel as if we've been found out slightly. Paul, I, I, to be honest, I kind of disagree. I'm usually the most positive about this. And I think this season to the end of January has, and the last 12 months has been magnificent, absolutely magnificent. But if you look down the fixture list now, even when I'm trying to be optimistic, there's no way that we're going to, we're eighth at the moment. We're never going to finish eighth. And I, it, you can't just say Sunday 
against Peterborough was one of those days because it wasn't because with the players that coming were... off the back of the Forest game on that heavy pitch, having had a day off less than all the other teams from the thing, I think you can possibly say it was one of those days. I think I think the, well, this was... is the dangerous thing we need to get into is that you just, we're all making like you say the communication is great. We're all making making sweeping judgments on what will happen in January, what's the thing of that. And I do think a bigger picture is possibly, you know, for me anyway, just seeing the reaction to that game on today, as bad as that second half was, it seems to me a bit of an overreaction, I think. We didn't have a day less. I think the bottom line is... We did, we play on Sunday against Luton. Yeah, the bottom line is, though, this this is a big next eight to nine games, even if we don't make the playoffs, because... One of the things we did really, really well going into last season was we ended the season on a high. I think if we have a situation now where, yeah, we may not make the playoffs, but if we show some sort of vague momentum, even without Willock and so on, so that we can actually build into next season. So actually, I think the next eight, nine games, regardless, it's almost a pre-hit now where I think we're not expected to go into the playoffs now. So actually, they can give it a go. They can do their they can do their best, and almost it's the pressure off because it almost seems to me as if the team have buckled under pressure in that they were two ga- they were t- two points behind with a game in hand from going second, and for whatever reason, whatever reason, it's not come it, it's not come good. And having that sort of situation where you're playing catch up and don't have that pressure on, who knows? It might it might help for the next eight games. I think the um, did we we played Sunday, we played Wednesday, and we played Sunday again, and yeah. half the championship played on Wednesday, another half played on Tuesday. So I'm not sure we had a day less. That's just yeah, me. We played on the Saturday before, though, didn't we? We only played the on the Sunday against Luton. Yeah, but we went Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. It's no, it's normal championship fodder. I, I, you can't you can't level that at it. I mean, we just couldn't do the basics right on Sunday lunchtime. It, it was it, it was it was the most bizarre collapse. There has to be a background to it. I can't think what it is. It's called second sky. That's what it is. Called play on sky. <sighs> I think we should ban them. I think we should. Hopefully, Sky <laughs> will lose the rights to ITV or something, and we get rid of them. I mean, listen. I'm not. I'm not saying that you know we we expect it to be. I, I think the biggest killer in football is hope, and we had hope yeah. for the first time in a long time. And. That's the depressing thing. If we'd have, if we'd have been playing average and we were eighth and we were you know looking and you're going into the Fulham game, you think you know what it doesn't mean. But Fulham's as Simon says a free hit, they fly and we can get. But we got into it on the back of like the Barnsley game was bad, Peterborough was bad, Blackpool wasn't great. But then you know and we it's frustrating because I thought that Blackpool and Luton would spark us on. And so did I. Yeah, and maybe maybe Paul's right with the sport being. Then maybe the the, the lower <coughs> players coming in, other players get the nose put out a joint. Barbe not send the contract if that's the case. I'll be sad though because I think he's been you know great for QPR and QPR has been great for him. And I like to see him stay because I think we're actually seeing the best of him. His first season he wasn't great, and he, he, he's it's typical QPR. So just someone t- turns into the player that we we knew should be that player. They fick off. It's annoying. You know what I mean? Just really annoying. But. However, we just have to wait and see and we just have to go into the Fulham game hoping that we can just kind of derail them a little bit. And that's a lovely segue. Did you like what I did there? Did you see that, everyone? I'll tell you what, I've wasted driving a van around London sitting in traffic all day getting smoked out of my head. Um, 
Right, who? Right, I'm gonna. Simon was the first. I only got to Simon first because I, I I saw his tweet and I immediately texted him and said, "Should we do a podcast tomorrow night and talk about this?" Simon, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I am gonna be. First of all, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with rail seating. I think it's a good thing. I've always been someone who likes safe standing. I love standing at away games. Unfortunately, though, the um, way in which it's going to work here means that for the second time in 10 years, I'm going to have to move from my seat. So originally I had to leave the lower loft for a season because of it becoming a family stand. And now, ironically, now that I've got a little boy who's coming to games, I'm now having to be moved again because it's in block K. So I also don't want this to come across as some sort of nimbyism, but I'm not particularly keen on the whole idea of why the family stand has had to move to PU or indeed is having to be moved to PL. For me, that doesn't make any real sense. I think if you were going to do it, I would actually have had the rail seating in PL, in NL, and because what that would then do is you've almost got a corner bit there along with PQ and R block where you do genuinely have a singing section anyway. And I'm not entirely sure why you can't put a um, you can't put rail seating in R block in the Ellerslie or indeed X block or Y block where people are stood up anyway. It just seems it just seems unnecessary to do what they're doing and to move people out, not only from the seats we are but also trying to break up the singing atmosphere in PU, which is which has a real good, strong singing section. I'm not sure it makes any sense. Um, just for those who don't know, and they've been on the moon for the last uh, few days, <laughs> UPR have done two things. We're bringing real seating in, as Simon says, for them, them blocks and them areas, and people don't have to move again. Or can they stay? I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. And also we're paying £40 to use a blue and white club, which... If I'm being honest, I laughed. And I'm still laughing. And I know it's yeah. not funny, but the blue and white... I mean, I remember we lost the bottles after Garoda was like, oh, this is really pissed me off, you know, for the nice press boxes and for the W12 club and all that block. And I thought, oh, I'm really pissed off by that because there's nowhere to go. And now people just walk out the ground and go, so the club leave even more money, you know. And I think the same thing is going to the blue and white club. I don't think there's anyone in the right mind going to pay 40 quid to have overpriced beer that's not even that pretty warm and, and, and not great. And that's where I'm going to bring Phil in. I'm going to let um, you rant last, Bob, because you, you're looking too relaxed, mate. I mean, you know, yeah. I, want, I want a, a rant here. Come on, now. Phil, go first. I mean, this, this, I mean this, this all, you know, goes hand in glove with that second half. But um, I'm just, I don't know if I'm absolutely gutted or fuming angry. I can't work out yet. And going back to Simon's thing about nimbyism, I, I'll say now, I've got the most brilliant seats in row A of PU, myself and my son. Uh, magic, right by the corner flag. They are superb. So I am absolutely heartbroken. What isn't clear at the moment is whether I have to move. Um, I've been swapping messages this evening with all the people around me because I like all the people I sit with. I just love going to the football, even when I have to sit through the second half like that. We have banter, we sing. Um, I don't know if... It is definitively happening. I'm reading it that maybe it's just a consultation. I don't know that if the rest of PU becomes a family stand and the people who are in PU season ticket holders can stay there. Another one of my mates came back this evening and said, no, it's a family stand, you'll have to move because if it's like the family stand in the lower loft, you can't go in without kids. Um, the, 
family stand, we need a family stand. I'm not being blinkered because we need the next generation. But I always feel embarrassed when the highlights are on the telly and the family stand is behind the goal and it's half empty. And you can't bring kids to football unless it's three o'clock on a Saturday because my son's now 19, 20. I've taken him since he was four. You know, when you have kickoffs at eight o'clock at night on a midweek or Friday night, whatever, you don't take the kids. But I'm always embarrassed when I see the family stand on the highlights and it's half empty. It's always half empty. So I don't know why they couldn't just compress it. So the first thing is I'm not really clear what the plan is. The second thing is I'm absolutely heartbroken because the other thing is I'm six foot four and I fit yes. into my seat. My sit into my seat in row A. If I'm put in row Z somewhere at the back of somewhere, I won't be able to fit in the seat. So that's another thing. I mean, you know, I'd love to throw my weight around and say, oh, well, I won't go, but I know that full well I will go. It's like a drug. Um, it's very difficult. And I have to say, Finney, I couldn't agree more wholeheartedly with you about the 40 quid for the, the blue and white bar. I just howled with laughter at that. I mean, if you have to picture the worst pub in the world that has no optics on the wall, no one can serve a beer, you can't ask for anything other than Carlsberg or Guinness, and then you say to someone, you have to pay 40 quid a year for the honour of coming through the front door. I mean, I, I, two weeks ago when I was on the pod, I was busy saying how impressed I was with Les and Lee and the running of the place. And then this comes out. I think they've had a mad moment. It's just bizarre. Rant over. I'm, I'm wondering, Paul, I'm going to come to you now. I'm wondering if they're doing this to maybe... Are they going to increase season tickets? I think they probably will. That on top of this will not go down well. What do you think? Well, first up, as somebody sits in LSE Road or the Stan Bowl stand, as it soon will become, um, I've, I've got to say the blue and white clubs like the promised land when I sat in there for the FA Cup this season. You know, you get served <laughs> and, you know, you, you, we got Guinness as well, which was like, you, don't, you just get warm cans. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think there's two issues as well. You've all mentioned Limbyism, but I mean, that's effectively kind of the way the club ran this thing where they said, here's a survey of like, do you where, where should these rail seats be? And then it was no like, are you going to use them? It was just like, you can have a vote. And I think everybody went, oh yeah, we'll put it behind the goal because there's this perennial issue of should the family stand be behind the goal? So you've ended up this system where anyone who's sitting in the lower loft, as far as I can work out, is a little bit of the ty- tyranny of the majority where everyone else is going, well, yeah, that'd be a good place for it. I, I don't really want to stand there, or I don't want to sit there, or whatever. But actually, what they should have just done is take the picture of the, of the ground on match day and work out where people stood. And you know, like there are yeah. sections in our block and, and the block next to it, up at the other end of the away fans, where people stand the whole game and the stewards are sort of, you know, waving at them all match and getting in the way and spoiling the, the game because you can't see. Why not just put it there? Rather, why have a yeah. massive consultation? But if you're going to do that, then having had the first level of consultation, surely you need to write to everyone in the affected seats first. And say, dear, we're going to move you. You'll see. Are you in favour of this proposal? Just so you know, not just whack it up on a website on what you know midweek. You know, to go. Oh yeah, by the way, we've come up with this idea. It does smack me that um, Ian uh, from West London Sport, who has been on this podcast, I think I did one with him years ago. I wonder if it was a bit of a reaction to his uh, his quite wry criticism of the club on the West London Sport podcast earlier this week that they suddenly had to rush something. It does seem like there's a knee jerk to that criticism rather than you know like here's a really thought through we've got this idea you know if we consult with you what do you think I mean I'd like to see the, the survey published I'd love to know the number of people who voted versus the number of seats that actually exist or rail sorry that actually exist that seems to be 
you know, come on, let's, is this the right way of doing it? And the idea of paying £40 to go in the Blue and White Club, I mean, this, this is, again, is something I don't think they've really thought through because what it, it's a first-come, first-serve, £40, and then at some point they'll cap it. But what point is it capped? At what, at what level will the queue be guaranteed that it will never go beyond that you've paid your £40 so that you're getting preferential treatment? If everybody comes on the first game of the season who doesn't happen to have season tickets, buys a membership to the club and never comes again, will they leave the place empty? Because surely yeah. that's the point of a member's club. You know, there's all these sort of, they sound niggly, weird little things, and, they, and they're very petty and pedantic, but that is kind of what makes all this kind of stuff work. And I think... Yeah, let's hope it's a more it's more of a we meant to say it was a wider consultation. I, you know, this is what we're thinking of doing, or you're all up for it. Because it does seem weird that you could suddenly rush in and go, Yeah, we're gonna put rail seats here over by the paddocks, and we're gonna make the blue and white club like so house, and we're gonna make the school in the, the, the family stand in that bit and this bit there, and you're all gonna move there. You could do all that really quickly, but you can't find some white paint to paint someone's name on the stand that you said you were gonna rename. It all it all just seems to be a little bit like everyone relax at the club. Have a big breath in, big breath out, and maybe it's 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 the right action plan to do this stuff properly. I think you're right. It's it's interesting. Sorry, Sam, but it's interesting what you said about this damn balls thing. I mean, I you know, despite what other people said, we won't name them because every time I do that, I get flipping shouted out outside the ground by somebody in a very mad mood. Um, You know, just just name the damn ball stand. If I don't know. And let's just cover the cost in however way we can. Let's not make it look daft by trying to get people to pay for it and stuff like that. Well, how about it's... membership fees from this new club can go to pay for it? Well? Yeah, but I think it's going to be more than 40 quid. Um, <laughs> and and you kind of like, this is, I sit in South Africa Road, right? And it's manic. That one wee tiny bar at the corner, because I'm in G Block, it's manic. You can't go anywhere, you go down there, you get a can if you're drinking. Le- recently, I've been driving, so I haven't been drinking. Which means I've seen the whole game, which is probably why I thought the second half was so bad. I'm normally so drunk, I don't know who I'm watching. And um, but it's, it's and I just think, did the club actually want to make money, or is the catering taken care of by somebody else? So they pay X amount of money, so they don't really care, and they do it their way because it's not to me. The club should be trying to make money and maximise it, but stop sticking your hand into the fans all the time. The answer for extra cash isn't always in the back pocket of supporters. You can't keep going to support and pay for this, pay for the stand pay for the members bar, pay more when you see them take it. Especially now when everyone is literally going to be deciding heating, petrol or watching football. They've got to get a reality check in here. You know, don't take loyalty as a permission to print money because people will have to make a choice at some point. And all this does to me as an outsider, because I don't sit there, Simon and, and Paul and, and Phil, so I'm, I'm kind of looking at somebody else. But I think it's wrong because it, it gives a bad fire, but we're just getting the club to a good level where everyone's saying, do you know what, they've done some great, and we do, we do some bloody good work. And now it's kind of like the good feeling could be gone. Yeah. In, uh, for no reason. And 40 quid yeah. just to drink the blue and white bar it just seems stupid to me because you, you're so overpriced anyway. And it's, you know, anyway, that, I just don't, I can't even see the logic. I mean, I'm sure they, 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 they ask the supporters group committees and they, I wouldn't want to be on that because, you, you know, having... Probably been on maybe one of these once before or twice. You get bollocked when it goes wrong, and sometimes it's not your fault. So I'm not blaming anyone who's not that mean because sometimes things get said quickly and you miss things. But yeah, they could have flagged it up better and, and, and asked people better and done more of a survey. And, and like, I don't know who said it because my memories since COVID crap. But the idea of like this, the, the standing in Ellsley and stuff and looking at the areas that maybe aren't hugely populated because this, as I say, my worry is it's going to kill the five. 
Like the last time they kicked people out was horrendous. I mean, a lot of people never came back. Right, Simon, carry on. Sorry, mate. I went on for one. And I think going back, I think Paul's point's really important when he talks about when he talks about the publishing of the survey because myself, Katie, and I've, as I say, I've got a little four-year-old now who sits in there. I'm not expecting Ted to be consulted on it, but me or my wife, we didn't get any sort of consultation whatsoever about mm. it all this survey that they came up with. We never received it or anything like that. And also, I think it's absolutely right having to find out from yesterday all. Oh, this is going to be happening and no sort of email from the club or anything like that is really, really disappointing. And again, it goes back to what we said here. The the club have done so much to get things right over the last few years compared to where they are. And you think back when we've been thinking about how well run we are. And as I say, they have genuinely had some sort of mad moment here. Really, they've had some sort of mad moment. And I think Paul's (laughs) right when he's just like, look, just take a step back, get a grip. Let's stop. Here's a question. Here's a question, Simon. Is it happening? Because I've reread the email again with the with the group that I was chatting to this evening. Is it happening? Because I don't think it is. I think it's a consultation again. But the way they but the way they worded it, and I think it's been inter- it's been interpreted as this is what we're planning. This is what's going to happen for 2022-23. So, given the fact that it's going to be so soon before the season starts, it's going to if they are doing a consultation, it's going to have to be a really quick one. And as we know, if you do a really quick consultation, you don't get the best, you don't get the best results out of it. So I read it as because it's so because it's so relatively late in the day, they say they want it for 22-23. I just think they want to get it through quickly. And it almost seems like a, if we just put out some sort of consultation here, it looks like we're listening. Whereas the reality, the way I read it, yeah. it almost looked like this is what we're going to do. I might be wrong, but again, it goes back to the communication again. Would it? If this is what they're going to do, uh, I can't remember where you said you sit, Simon, but I sit in PU. If this yeah. is what they're going to do, I've had no correspondence saying, okay, when do, you, when do you want to choose what seat you go to or whatever? Just saying that makes me angry or heartbroken. I can't remember. I can't think which it is. Just one other point I was going to make, Finney, is mm-hmm. the... Q block in the corner, I sit in P block and then R block. I'm not saying other parts of the ground don't sink, because they do, but there's a, that is a big part of where the atmosphere came from. And Q, block Q, is a dreadful view, but it used to be the cheapest seats. When they yeah. took arbitrarily took the decision to make the cheapest seats the far end of the LZ Road, is it, is it Y block or something, right yeah. next to the away support? Massive, a massive, massive chunk of the Q block buggered off down the other end of Ellerslie. Why, why wouldn't they? And that's the lot that all stand at the far end of Ellerslie. Well, what that's actually done, because there's been fans, forums and all sorts of things, why is the atmosphere so bad? Well, the atmosphere so bad is because you deliberately went about breaking up the very corner of the ground that do the singing. And so you can't, you can't do one thing and then, and then complain that the atmosphere is terrible because that is what happened. You know, so much of the singing starts from that corner where you took a big chunk of it away. So... Mm. I, I, they're going to now they're now going to break up P block, which is another big chunk of where the singing <clears> comes from, and will be scattergunned round the ground. I suspect. I don't know. The trouble is, clubs are always damned if they do and damned if they don't. But they'd be damned less if they 
consulted more, in my opinion, and talked to people and, and did just maybe have an idea before they talked to people or what they did. The interesting thing I was thinking of, because I, I wreck my brains in these things because my brain's quite small and I have to think quickly. Um, and that is, could we do something with the bottom of the school end even? From, could we Have we got enough fans to, to try and make that a, a home area, maybe do real reserve? I know you're beneath the away supporters and stuff like that, because... The trouble with our ground is it's so small, it's so old, and people have got their sick. Now, when you say to someone, you have a seat, that could go back to their granddad, that area. You know, they could have stood there, they could have sat there. It's a family tie thing. And because a lot of people don't live in the area anymore, that is, it's very precious to them where they sit, their memories and everything else, which is something that I don't think a lot of people understand sometimes. And I'm not saying that it'd be deliberate. Of course it's not. But you, you've got to take in the fact that people have sat there with their moms and dads, their brothers and sisters who are no longer with us. So it's special. And it's got to be done sensitively. And it's also got to be done wisely and try to not upset as many people as you. You're always going to upset somebody, but just try and minimise that. But yeah, the, I, I was wondering, could we do something with the school end? And we probably couldn't, if I'm being honest with you. And it'd probably be too risky to put people underneath a wayfound. So I just don't get why you can... Tr- trouble is, it all comes back, do we move ground? And then start these things, when we move ground, so no one's got no memories, no history. It's a brand new environment. Are we rushing it? Or should we think about it? Should we wait till we get a new ground? Will we ever get a new ground? Do you know what I mean? It's it's so flipping tricky. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I think I think ultimately it is the new ground. That, that will be the thing which will mean that we're solving a lot of the problems that we're getting at the moment. And I fully get and I fully accept there is no right. There's no right or wrong answer to where things are going to be. As I say, for me, putting the rail seating just by the P block, N block, L block in the lower, that's your sort of way forward because you're then creating, as I say, almost like things like Bristol City and Celtic. They have both side bits where they have their safe standing and generally it works and generally it works really, really well. I agree with you, the school ends. As I say, would I be comfortable taking my lad to a game if I've got someone like Millwall or Luton up above? Not really, no. I think ultimately, yeah, it's 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 trying to get the new ground, but that's that's like searching for a needle in a haystack at the moment. So it's trick it, it is a really tricky one, and I get that the club are in a difficult position. But as I say, I think the communication and the way they've handled it certainly think needs a lot of improvement. Does anyone remember the original email? Because I filled in the original survey. Uh, surveys are very difficult things to do well because it doesn't. It depends what questions you ask as to what answers you get. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't remember the question, which is a really key one here, is because it was all about safe standing rail seating. Do you support it? Do you think it's a good idea? And I said, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I might be completely wrong, so I'm asking someone because they remember the email. But I don't remember the question, would you be happy being kicked out of your seat for rail seating? (laughs) Because if that question had been on there, my answer would have been the no, whereas all the rest of my questions were yes. I don't remember the question, would you buy rail seating? Would you? Because I probably would have said no because I love where I am. So I think the questionnaire, but I could be wrong, was all about the kind of hypothetical, do you like the idea of rail seating? And I answered yes to everything. I don't think the questionnaire was nitty gritty. Anyone remember? That's what I recall. I think it asked if people would want to use it or not. I did what I remember vividly. And actually, in retrospect, probably would have changed my answers had I thought about it 
had a longer time to think about it. and also actually seeing what Real City was in a much more detailed way rather than, you know, the way it was explained. But there was that thing of like, I think a lot of people thought the questionnaire and thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity to restore the atmosphere behind the goal. Now that, for people sitting behind the goal, they might be going, well, actually, it's fine. Thank you. With what it is. But I do think there is that thing is there was a question, where do you think it would be good? And actually, in retrospect, thinking about the survey, what one thing they could have, made more apparent is what will Real City do for legroom? I mean, because where I sit in our block, I, you know, I can't feel my toes normally by the end of most matches because the circulation's been cut off. So, I mean, that in retrospect, I was like, actually, maybe if Real City had come to where I am, would that, would that as, a, as, as a tallish person myself, would that would be a good thing? And, and this is where I think maybe that, that step back might be a good thing. It's just, you don't have to do it all in one go. It's not like we just mm-hmm. put Real City in for the start of next season. That's it. That's all your Real City forever. It's almost like, would it make sense? Where are people standing anyway? Let's try it in those areas. If it's worked, and other people with other parts of the ground see it, go, actually, that is all right. I could, you know, if you want to sit, you can see. If you don't want to, if you want to stand, you can. And this is, these are all the things until you actually experience it. I guess none of us are really going to know. It's like, if you're in, if you're in the, what, what is the family stand now and you don't move your seat and you don't want to stand up, can you still see the game? I mean, possibly. I don't know how, quite how these rails work or, or, or don't work. And I think that that is sometimes the problem with, Consult, you know, doing surveys and consultation, like you say, what what questions you ask often can influence what answer you get. And I think this is this is the problem with almost with that survey was it did encourage little nimbyism of like, oh yeah, it'd be great over there, but not necessarily where I am or where you are or or, or that kind of thing. And actually, you know, if you communicate better outside of surveys and say this is what we're minded to do, you know, like we're, the fact you're even questioning is the announcement on the website the plan or yeah, absolutely. the consultation part two. I don't, you know, the way I read the web story, it was like, it's happening, but you guys obviously you sit in that stand, you've had letters, so I hope anyway. But it, No, I haven't had letters. No, we haven't had no, letters. There you go. So, so then we don't know. This, and I think this is the issue. I don't think anyone's saying, look, you're, look the club are wrong to try and bring in well sta- standing, and they're not, and I'm certainly not saying they're, they're wrong to have surveys and questionnaires and things like that. That's all good. But I think you've also got to just, you know, take that step back and do it in, in a way that sort of brings everyone on board. And I like, you know, go back to what you're saying, we're talking about the football, you know, so much has gone right this season, so much the club have done well. Don't don't get caught up in little things like this and, you know, ideas of charging for bars and all this kind of stuff. It's like, come on, approach that well, side of, of it as, as, you, as, yeah. as you've approached the team. Paul, one, trying, of, Paul, Paul Sorry, one, of the, one, of, one of my mates who I've been swapping messages with before coming on here, his exact response to me on a WhatsApp thing was, I, he said he'd emailed, he said, I've got a reply that says they passed my feedback on and tried to say this was a consultation phase. So that was his, so that's what, that's the, what he's had back from the club. I haven't yet, busy, we haven't emailed yet, but I'm, I'm going to, um, let, I'll see what response I get, but that's the response he got back. Do you know, know, this is consultation too, then good. You know, then, okay, great, but just make that clear, clearer. Yeah, but do, you know, do, do you know what I still can't get over? Right, and, and I am being nitpicking here. I've never understood why we had a gold, silver, bronze area at Lost of Because I can't see jack shit on the sidelines from where I sit and I'm silver. And then we have a category A as well. So you get, you, you, you're get charging two premiums for a seat. So you, you're paying extra for a big game and you're paying extra to sit in the gold section. I thought, I've always thought, I never got my head around that one. But that's for another <laughs> podcast. Still can't get my head around it. And actually, now I think said out loud, I'm still none the wiser. But listen, whatever they do, it's it comes back, as we all know, that there's going to have to be a debate whether we still love the show. But I cannot see us leaving Love the Road side of KPH. Um, Guy and Prince Stadium, sorry, Foundation. 
in my lifetime. I really can't see it. Um, I think if we ever do move ground, I'll be long on the ground. I'll be I'll, I'll be under the flipping stand probably. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just we're no, we're no wiser. I mean, they've got the training ground, which is brilliant, and it's it's such good news. And if there's a consultation, talk to everyone, get it right, and make sure that we don't lose any fans over it because that's always wrong and sad when people walk away because football's a habit and uh, once you break it people don't tend to come back and we, we can't afford to lose any fans not not this stage not when things are being better anyway that was terrible English a terrible rant and oh Jesus embarrassing I got every word wrong though I stick to drive I, I, I praised myself earlier on I'm going back to driving a van and sitting in traffic it's easier right well no well I guess the Aussie could have been about the stand, but I think we've covered that. But we're all in agreement that charging 40 quid for the Bill White Club is as stupid as giving Steve Slade a 10-year contract. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. For anyone... One thing with the, the Bill White Club, just to, just to flag, though, is when I first got a season ticket, you were allowed from the LSE Road to, as a season ticket holder to go through to the Blue and White Club. And I believe it was the council that sort of said, oh, you can't control numbers, so that can't happen anymore. Does this membership, I'm just out of curiosity, will the membership of this blue and white club apply to people in Lizzie Road? Will it? Will, will season ticket holders get a discount or priority or this kind of... You know, I, I just think, will you bring in other members' clubs in other parts of the ground? I just think this is a, a, a thread that you, they need to be really careful if they're going to start unravelling, because at the moment, you know, if, if you have to miss 20 minutes of any match or whoever's queuing at any rate at the bar to... To, to, to get a drink you either miss 20 minutes in the first half or 20 minutes in the second half depending on where you are in the queue you know I think this is this is an issue that actually once they put the, could, could run a lot longer after the rail seating has you know still been, what, been but, installed Paul I completely agree with you but this is one of these things where you'd love to have a little camera on the wall when a meeting when this took place because as far as I'm concerned, the Blue and White Bar is absolutely shocking. It is shocking. It's the worst pub I ever go into. See, and see that's because you don't see an LSE road, though. That's why. <laughs> no, but I've, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. We were like, wow. I, <laughs> I, I have sat in Ellersy Road. But if someone, if I was in a meeting and someone said, I'll tell you what we'll do, we'll charge people 40 quid to go in the Blue and White Bar, I would have thought they were, so they were going to give you 40 quid to go in the Blue and White Bar. <laughs> it, it, is, it is unbelievable. I don't know what they, they've had a mad moment. They definitely have. It'd well, be I'll interesting. On honorary membership if they handed them out, but surely season ticket. Couldn't it just be a season ticket? I don't know. Well, well I mean, I don't, well, reading I don't... it, best reading it, they're basically saying you'll get. It's going to be forty pounds from from what it read like, and again, it goes back to this communication. It sounded like it's going to be forty pounds regardless, like that super hoop upgrade you got in the first season of the Premier League, just so you could get loyalty points to go to away games. It seems to be a. It seems to be a similar thing to that. The, yeah. It will be empty. The bar. If this happens, that bar will be empty. Here, yeah. again, again, and that sounds massively appealing based on giving up. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking. If you buy the super hoop upgrade, does that entitle you to free membership of the Blue and White Club? No, because it's ten pound less. And is it, open, is it going to be open in the week? Because suddenly, if it, one thing becomes, you know, like a new members' club yeah. in Shepherd's Bush, it's quite exciting, you know. Maybe, oh, well, maybe they've well, got a much bigger, maybe, this, maybe they're going to franchise out the Blue and White Club. It'll be everywhere around the world. It'll be like a Spurs cheese room. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you should have been in this original meeting. You came up with so many brainstorming oh, yeah. ideas <laughs> in, in, in two minutes. Are you well, the, the, the Blue and White Cheese Club as well. I might be up for that as well. Awesome. Is it? <laughs> are they, have they really got a cheese club? Spurs, <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. 
Seriously? No, I'm not made that up, Paul. They've got a cheese. They've got a cheese section. I remember it being in the publicity. I don't know if it made it when they finally built the ground. I definitely remember. No, I think they made it. in the tunnel club as well, wasn't it? Where you could watch them walking up and down the tunnel. And everything. I've yeah, done, yeah. I have been, because we did some work at Tottenham and for events, and I have seen the tu- tunnel club, and you can see the players lining up as they come out. It's a bit Disneyland, a bit weird. And it's kind could of like... You, could you smell the waft of fromage while you were there as well? Or? Mm. <laughs> that, maybe that is the truth. The stadium was empty. All, all I could smell was bleach. <laughs> Not. And actually, to be fair, I, I lie. Since I've had COVID, I can't smell jack shit. I haven't smelled anything for two years. I smell freaking great every day. It's marvellous. I'm none the wiser. But anyway, we've come on to the R's end. And um, thanks, guys, for covering that subject so well, because I think it's important that... They, I know the club listen to this podcast, or some of them do, hopefully, and they'll they'll, they'll take it on board that it's just constructive and no one's name-calling yeah. and no one's doing anything wrong. Absolutely. So just listen, listen to people, take it on board and, and do the right thing by the fans because the most important thing of a football club is the fans. Always will be, always should be. Phil, have you got an R's end? Uh, it doesn't yes, involve cheese. I think, no, it doesn't involve cheese. I just feel um, I'm so grateful for the club taking a punt on Willock. And he has been magnificent. And I just feel so sorry for the bloke. I just mm. wanted to kind of say that out loud. He, po- he posted that picture on Instagram of him in his hospital bed. This injury has exploded out of nowhere. It looks so innocuous when it happened. His season's over. He was getting better and better and better and better, wasn't he? It's, it, you know, he kind of became our best player, as it were. And uh, I'm just heartbroken for the bloke. So I, I in, in this podcast that is ranting about everything that's bad, um, and I still think that the the team are in a, a kind of and management are in a kind of moment of crisis or mini collapse or something. I didn't want to overlook the fact that I think Willock has been a revelation, and I wish him well, and I hope he gets fit again and raring to go for July August time. That's there you go. That was my bit. Well said, Paul. Um, without wanting to date this podcast, although I imagine when they change the proposals, it will anyway. Uh, I just wanted to wish um, uh, your friend of mine, Paul, uh, Jimmy Dunn, a former podcast pal, best of luck with the Irish national team. As he's a the sort of late call up to the squad. He looked uh, ever so sheepishly happy and wandered in today in his designer tracksuit. Uh, I mean, I just think, again, another great, a great signing. Um, my player of the season, I mean, Willock absolutely has been amazing as the chair and Diego Lebon, but Dan, I think, is my probably my player of the season because on the grounds, we kind of signed him, I imagine, as cover and he sort of made himself one of the first names on the team sheet and just just everything about him. And he just seems nice. I actually bumped into one of our junior players on the train um, coming home the other day and I was saying, oh, do you ever meet the first team? And he was like, oh, Jimmy Dunn was in training the other week. He was an under-15 kid and he was saying, yeah, he comes in and... Uh, Paul Furlong and, Paul, and, and, and Chris Ramsey, people like that. But Jimmy Dunn apparently had been in training. So, I mean, just wished him best of luck and congratulate him on, I think, what has been, wherever we finish, a great season for him. I think he's, I agree with you, he's, he's my, certainly my player this season. Everyone said, oh, you say that about every Irish player, but I don't. I, I, <laughs> I you know, because I support Northern Ireland, he plays Republic of Ireland, so not his fault. But uh, yeah, he looked amazingly happy to be in that squad. And thank God they picked him because, they must have some bloody good players if you can't get anywhere. He's been outstanding. And um, the more interactions he gets, of course, the more he's probably not going to be at Rangers. But hey-ho. Simon. 
People on the same level as Jimmy Dunn, it's good to see that another member of our coaching team, John Eustace, has also had some mm. recognition and become assistant coach at the Republic of Ireland as well. So having him, having Paul Hall um, as coaches of international teams clearly means that in some ways, whilst we have been critical of what's been going on on the pitch for the last sort of like six weeks or so, we clearly must be doing something right. And there's other people who must be noticing that in the long run, we have been doing a really good job that our coaches are getting these opportunities. So I think also in the same way as Jimmy Dunn, a big congratulations to John Eustace. And let's hope that he learns a lot from his time at the Republic. Well, you see, is it all sadness, but you forget the QPR way, lads. You know, at the end of the day, I've learned in my 52 years, you could not predict anything with this bloody football club. Whereas liable <laughs> to lose to Peterborough as we are going to get winning spirit towards the end of the season and batter everyone. That's just, just the region's way. No, we're not. Sort of, it's a shame we've dropped out we have because we were there all season and it, it is a bloody crying shame. I'm, I'm going to, because I, I, I love the place being full. I love the atmosphere being better. I love the feel good factor. I love the fact that people are going to games with smiles on their face because in this Premier years, people, people are dragging the whole the games and they weren't happy. They, they really weren't happy. And for a couple of seasons afterwards. So, in that respect, on my hours end, get on track, Paul. You talk too much and you're boring. Right. On my, not you, Paul, I'm talking to this Paul pointing at myself that you can't see, dear listener. Right. Oh, it's true as well. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that's harsh, isn't it? Flip it away. You're born then. No, it was me. I was saying it was me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I know it's been a fairy podcast. You know, you and Phil having disagreements, me and Simon. Well, just Simon being Simon, really. Um, but, like, my hours end is Tiger Feet 12 is happening before Fulham next week. We're going to be walking from Fulham to QPR. Please look up uh, Tiger Feet 12 and help if you can. I know money's tight and I know, Jesus, everyone's suffering, you know. I'd like to thank the petrol stations for putting um, petrol up by five pence and take it down after the Chancellor did what he did. That was very kind of them. Um, you didn't fill anyone, you gobshites, we noticed. Um, honestly, I couldn't believe it. I was like, watching them doing it, going, I can't believe they're doing this. Absolutely ridiculous. Flipping heck. And um, I'm hoping that everyone's taking a moment in my eyes end to reflect on the demise of Chelsea Football Club. We covered it last week, I know, Simon. And we did. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, and it looks like the buggers are going to survive. And I don't know who said it last week. I don't know if it was you, Simon, the other fella. Oh, yeah, they'll give it and give them tickets. And they have. They're getting tickets. So what was the freaking point of that then? Honest to God. I was talking to a Chelsea fan the other day, and I was, I was having quite a bit. I was like, you're lucky you were even allowed to exist. By rights, you should have just been liquidated like everything, everything else. They accused me of being narrow-minded and bigoted, and and they're right. Are you talking about the club or him? Yeah, <laughs> You're right. I could have been. Yeah, I could have been more communication on that, couldn't I? Yeah. No, no I was actually talking about the club, but I can see where they might cut to that wrong. You know, but um, <laughs> save the bridge, my arse. Anyway, thank you guys for what's a, a podcast. This is being an emergency real podcast and talking about these things, and it is sad and. I just hope the club listen to people. I've, I've got no axe to grind for this season at all. I think the club have done a lot of good things, but just name the stand ball stand, talk to fans about the real, and don't charge 40 quid to drink the blue and white club because it's ridiculous. And we will be laughing so much we won't be able to watch the game. <laughs> thank you. That's true, let's be honest. Right, lad, thank you, Phil. You're always welcome. And next time, hopefully, I'll get you on. We'll, have a, we'll be in our sixth game winning streak towards the end of the season. Simon, 
It's always a pleasure. No doubt I'll see you uh, at Sheffield in a few weeks. Paul, I'm on holiday, mate. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in Lisbon. So I'm missing Sheffield United and Preston. Lisbon or Bramall Lane on a Tuesday night. I bet you're good at though, aren't you? I am a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, yeah. Uh... <laughs> One time years ago, this is true. So before I come to you, Paul, and say goodbye, I missed the game because we went to York and I actually brought a video of QPR against Nottingham Forest. You remember these used to buy videos of the games back in the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a nil-nil draw and I brought the video. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I question my sanity even though I picked it like that. And it was, I remember the cover, it was QPR players on a balloon. And it was, anyway, strange. It was very strange. Paul, thank you for coming on again. It's short notice as usual. And for taking part in the pod and hopefully we'll see you again soon alright everyone thank you very much coming on and let's batter them bastards for them thank you everyone for listening